to the Church is Messy podcast. I'm Svea Mary and, and delighted today to be joined not only by Pastor Rick Henderson, but we also have with us our friend and colleague, Pastor Otis Hall. Good morning, Otis. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Great. It's wonderful to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well, and I'm excited to talk about this too. Uh, we're talking about something that relates to our church's vision statement today. Uh, it is uh, our intent to be a church of all cultures um, where curious, skeptical, and hurting people love to attend. And so today we're going to just shine a spotlight on what we mean by being a church of all cultures. It was a few weeks ago that we got to carve out a moment and recognize uh, Juneteenth. And I thought you did a fantastic job, Otis, of articulating uh, that it was a moment that proved that our country has the ability to self-correct. Yeah. And uh, a, a church word for that, a biblical word for that is repentance. It is. A, it was. A, it was a repentance moment. It's a beautiful thing. It's one of the things that we should celebrate about our history. Grieve things in our history, but celebrate good things. Repentance is a is a good thing to to celebrate. Now, this isn't so much as a national conversation that we're trying to have as a more so of a of a church family conversation. Our intent is to be the kind of church where people from all cultures would find a home that this is the way that uh, heaven is described. It seems to be God's heartbeat for his people. This seems to be what Jesus wants for his people. I don't exactly know how to understand everything I read in the book of Revelation, but somehow, some way, John was able to recognize there are people from every tribe, every nation, language, cultural backgrounds. They are all there together celebrating Jesus together. And so we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, I love, that's fantastic. I love that vision of what it looks like to be in heaven and be able to be who you are, mm. not to become something that other people assume that you should be, mm. but to worship God the way that you are made. Mm. Say more about that, because I think that's that's a helpful thing to hone in on. <clears throat> yeah, I think we, we often um, conflate the two terms when we talk about being a church of all cultures and being a church of all races, right? Mm. Because you can have cultural diversity and still be predominantly one race. But in society, we see the races sort of divide and begin to build their own cultures. Well, the church wasn't ever meant to be a place where we all just sort of become plain and the same. Mm. We all follow Jesus, but he made us diverse. He gave us different language. He gave us ways to interact with each other in, in, in specific ways that mm. are beautiful ways to worship him. Mm. And when we talk about um, becoming a church of all cultures, we talk about integration, which means we all come together with our cultural distinctiveness, but we all bond around our values, which for us is our MVV. We we bonded around what we believe our church should be doing. Yeah, and those are those are our ways of trying to quickly articulate the essentials of, of the gospels. I'm listening to you talk, and I'm thinking about what we. I'm thinking about this passage in, in Revelation. Well, we are in heaven. We we are fully redeemed, mm -hmm. and our sin is erased, and it is gone. And a desire for sin and a propensity for sin, all of that is gone. We we will be utterly holy. We are completely redeemed. Um, our race is not erased. That's right. Our yeah. ethnic background is not erased. Mm -hmm. Are some of our cultural and, and linguistic distinctives not necessarily erased? No. What? How? How does recognizing that impact right now? Yeah, I think it's important for us to understand that and begin to 
more than accept, but begin to live into the the beauty of what God created in our diversity and worship and music mm-hmm. and the way that we pray. Right? All of that is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like, and we need to live into that now. You know what? I think we're doing a great job of embracing diversity, and I can tell when we worship because there's three, four, sometimes five different beats on which we're clapping all at once. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys noticed yes, that? Oh. Yes. Rhythmic, rhythmic diversity is quite apparent. <laughs> sure. I don't think that's the kind of diversity we're going for, but okay. I, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about, um, this is a beautiful thing, this is a good thing, um, but let's be honest, it's a challenging thing, mm-hmm. right? We look back... Um, we see it in the New Testament. We see that there there were challenges. Mm-hmm. One of the, the um, masterpiece of the Apostle Paul is the New Testament book of Romans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. part of what he's writing into is there's a clash of cultures. Mm-hmm. And the church started and it was predominantly Jewish believers in Rome. And then for various reasons we're not going to get into now, the Jewish believers had to evacuate the city. And then it becomes predominantly more of a Gentile uh, church. And then the J- Jewish believers come back and now they're a mix and they're trying to they're trying to work through all of this stuff. And that should be a filter or lens through which we're seeing uh, the New Testament book, book of Romans. So simply be proximity to Jesus or proximity to apostles Mm. or proximity to just truth doesn't necessarily make the challenges go away. Mm -hmm. So how should we think about that? What are some of the challenges that we should um, be anticipating? And then what kind of dispositions maybe we ought to adopt in order to be able to uh, navigate those challenges in a Jesus-honoring way? Mm. Yeah, I think... um... I sort of had a question formulating in my mind for you, but I'll talk about this and then I'll weave the question in. So as we become fully devoted followers of Jesus, we see people as beautiful, as mm. created, as image bearers in all of the ways that they worship him. So the tension sometimes with an established church trying to move towards the cultural state that we're in is that there are set things in their mind about how you worship, how you sing, how you pray, mm. what words you use, how you take communion, all of those things are woven in in a doctrinal thought process. Well, when you integrate, people come in with those other pictures, and that's a challenge for us to to do that. Imagine what it's like for someone from a Latinx culture to come into our church and the first song they hear is someone singing in their own language. Hmm. But that's a challenge for the rest of us who are like, well, I don't understand that. Why are you not just singing in English? Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's those sorts of tensions that, that drive us to find churches where we just are like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of a mindset is helpful for us yeah. as we're engaged in worship and maybe a style that isn't in our own preference, mm-hmm. but for someone else's? What what disposition do we need to adopt to to not only tolerate this, but to embrace it? Yeah, I think we, we talk about it a lot, about, especially coming from me, being in a missional disposition, that this is the place where we are getting to see how God is working in other people's lives and love that. And we don't often do that because we think that we have the way that's the most beautiful. But it is it is a wonderful thing to step back and just try to feel how God is working in other people's lives. And I think that's the disposition we have to have mm-hmm. when we are trying to integrate. So we're a church. We have uh, a couple of... I. It feels like we're drifting towards talking a lot about uh, 
worship in, in large gatherings, and that, that's okay. That's I one mean, thing. Yeah. Maybe this is just a, a preliminary conversation, mm-hmm. and that's what we talk about a lot here. Uh, we're a church that is somewhat unique. There aren't many of us around who have uh, distinct worship styles and different services mm-hmm. on purpose. We have a traditional uh, service, and we have, a more, we have a more modern service, and there are times that I'm really feeling the traditional music. And there are times I'm really feeling the more modern music. And there's times that I'm in a service and I'm not really feeling it. And I find myself doing this. I look, I, I look around and I look for the people who are. And I look for the people that this is expressing their heart language. Mm-hmm. And it may not necessarily be, uh, we're, we're not talking about uh, ethnic culture. Maybe we're talking about culture that represents more of a time period. And that is, it just matches the way that they think, the way that they relate to the world. And I see them experiencing uh, the beauty of Christ and worshiping him. And it just softens me in, in those moments. Yeah. Should we have more of that? Should people come in intentionally looking around at others when we're trying to pause and focus on Christ. Does that sound gobbledygook? Do you guys do you get hit the, the tension? Yeah. I'm coming in to worship Jesus, but there are times that it's not going to match my preference. Is it a good thing to pause and look around and see how other people are worshiping and let that influence me? Well, yeah, it's always a good thing to see how other people are responding to you mm-hmm. and connecting with God because it might open a way that we weren't sure might touch us. Mm. We came in with a preset mindset, but watching other people respond to God gives us freedom to do that in a different way. Mm. Is it, um, what about somebody who's listening and maybe they, they're, they're trying to see where they fit in all of this, but maybe they accidentally drift into being self-critical, right? So like I'm a, I'm a middle age middle-class white dude with middle-aged, middle-class white dude experiences and all kinds of things that have kind of culminated in the person that I am now. Is this about me trying to diminish that and stop being that and be something that I'm not? No, this is about you and all of us stepping into an experience that is kingdom driven, Mm -hmm. not self driven. And that's what God wants us to do. It's not about us being less of who we are. It's about intentionally creating an environment of space where more people can come and be who they are. Yeah. And where we're not talking about, and if there's there's anyone who's, this is new, and they hear that and they think, well, I get to define worship, I get to define my truth. That's not what we're saying. Jesus is the authority. He is Lord. He's the definer of all of those things. And yet, what we see in heaven is that there are real cultural and ethnic distinctives that remain, so he must see them as good, so we should treat them as good in the way that we gather and worship now. Yeah, that sort of answers the question that had been running through my mind. For those people who are like, when you follow Jesus, there's only one way to do that. So that's basically assimilation, right? Everybody should look exactly the same when they follow Jesus, right? Mm. Mm. I I understand the train of thought. I think it's a tad flawed. I do too. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we talked about in a message not too long ago, I don't know when people are listening to this podcast, but we said it's God's intent is for his people to fully integrate not to assimilate, is to be with people, to be for people, but don't adopt contrary uh, values or worldviews that's hostile to what it means to submit and surrender uh, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in, in your life. And so there is a kind of parallel here. Like I could, like if I was, 
if I was in a church that was predominantly a different culture than what I was raised in, I shouldn't go and try to be that culture. I should honor and respect that culture and still be me and express what it's like to be me following Jesus in a way that submits to his lordship, but in a way that is fully integrating with other people from a different culture. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe a helpful yeah. clarification is that we're not seeking to be a church that celebrates all cultures in the sense of, of holding up all cultures as equally wonderful and valid in their practices, but we're inviting people from all cultures to celebrate Jesus That's together. Right. That's right. Because there are things about my culture that I don't want to celebrate mm -hmm. and practice, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're all trying to come and submit and surrender to Jesus and uh, to express what it's like to be redeemed and to be restored to him. Well, much like in the New Testament, we're not asking all people to become one flavor That's of right. culture That's right. in order to then experience Jesus together, mm -hmm. but allowing people to come from who God made them to be. So this feels a tad messy. Yeah, it's only a little messy. And it's really hard to do. <laughs> it feels it feels really it feels really it feels really messy. Yeah. One of the things that I'm discovering is I talk to more people who I trust them and I and I really love I really love their love of Jesus and I love their character and they just have a totally different life experience than me. I've just discovered the way that they see the things I we look at the exact same thing and they're just seeing it differently mm. than I do. And I'm just wondering how much richness and perspective I've missed in my life mm -hmm. by waiting to do that too late. Yeah, I I often do that too. So we've been in uh, what m most people would say is a countercultural um, place for mm -hmm. worship for years. And the beauty of it is I get to take the context that I grew up in and filter everything through that mm -hmm. while hearing all of these stories about things I never knew existed. Mm -hmm. it, it's such an amazing thing. And so we we watch Maddie, for instance, filter <laughs> the gospel through the lenses in which she grew up. And it's so different mm -hmm. than what Anna and I grew up in. And we're like, wow, like we didn't get that until we were like 30 years old. And you're <laughs> filtering this in such a beautiful way that that it is an expression mm. of God that helps us see things in such a different way and move towards mm. that mess of, okay, we got to let go of some of the stuff that we think we have to have in order to worship Jesus, because that's what we should be. Mm. I love that. I love that. This still feels a tad vague, doesn't it? Is Does this feel slippery at all to talk about, or is it just me? <laughs> it just it, it just there's there's an aspect of this that feels hard to really get my my arms wrapped wrapped around yeah and so i find myself kind of drifting here i guess this is what it means it means that i'm not going to expect everybody to dress the way that i dress mm -hmm. some people are going to be if we're going to be a church of all cultures some people are going to come and they're going to be dressed far nicer than i dress and then other people would say that I'm dressed far nicer than the way that other people are, yeah. are are dressed. And that's totally okay. And that's not if I am trying to evaluate someone through the lens of my culture and my background and my expectation, I'm putting on I'm putting something on them that's not fair. Yes. I mean, in the same way, raising of hands or yes. speaking during the sermon, yes. right? Prayer, all of those mm -hmm. things are are vastly different in different cultures mm -hmm. 
And we have to get to the place where we have a safe place for people to express that mm-hmm. and not feel judged because mm-hmm. they want to raise their hands or or shout amen while the sermon's going mm-hmm. on, right? Those things uh, are part of what it means to be a church of all cultures, and it's really difficult to get there mm. from both ends, right? Can I run something by you right now? Yeah. So we have to be able to give people permission to express themselves in, in the large group gatherings uh, in a way that is just per- perfectly appropriate their their cultural background, um, which means that we've got to be accommodating and patient and all, all of that kind of stuff. But I think people ought to give themselves permission to when they experience something that's not what they expect, instead of if you feel like, oh, I don't know if that's right, don't beat yourself up. Just marinate in that for a while. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a while. Try not to get distracted in the moment, but you might get distracted in the moment. And if you do, that's okay. Maybe in the moment, God wants to use that not as a distraction, but as a chance to really shine the spotlight within and to let the Holy Spirit be at work. Am I recognize? Has this person violated something that's that's a violation? Have they violated wisdom? Have they violated something morally? Have they violated something doctrinally? Or have they violated my cultural expectation? Yeah. Have they violated my cultural expectation? That's cool. We're a place that we're intentionally trying to be uh, a mix. Mm-hmm. We're intentionally trying to be a church of all cultures. And so people will be surprised and disappointed routinely. <laughs> yeah. And people will feel pressure to mm-hmm. what we don't want them to do is assimilate. Like mm-hmm. people coming in the doors have no idea what's allowed and not allowed in this space. Mm-hmm. And we want them to be free to be who they are in that space, mm-hmm. right? It's not it's not the majority of us who always feel the uncomfortableness. A lot of times the new people who walk in the door have zero idea what happens once they walk into that auditorium. Mm-hmm. And you know the pressures of the of, of what you're talking about, I think are it's it's ubiquitous. It, it, it's it's everywhere. Um, it's subtle. It's sneaky, and it, and it, and it's powerful. And it's not just it's not just ethnic. No. It, it so one of the things that uh, you'll notice is um, it's very easy in a church for the speakers, who, the people who are on the teaching team, to start sounding like the guy who does the majority of the preaching. Mm. And you have to intentionally work against that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember uh, I started to hear people say to me, uh, people who I really, really trust, they started to say, some of the guys are starting to sound like you. Are you teaching them to sound like you? I'm like, no. They're like, "Are are are you changing the way that they preach? I'm like, no, it's not my intent at all. And I went and I talked to a guy um, who was on the teaching team. He's he's not here anymore, but I talked to a guy who was on the teaching team, and he said, "Yeah, I feel this. I feel this pressure that I'm supposed to sound like you." And I just said, "You don't have to. I I don't want you to. I want you to be you, and I want I want your your love of Christ and your understanding of the. T- I want all of that to come out through your temperament, through your personality, through your skill set. You don't have to sound like me. So that's just like in my world, that's one. That's mm-hmm. one way. And so we're all going to feel this in many different ways, probably in some surprising ways. So can you relate to that at all? Can you think of a? <laughs> well, if I have to sound exactly like you, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, I, it's just not. It's not fair. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, or to to start dressed dressing similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I'm in trouble there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Caleb and I are already there. So if you see us on Sunday morning, you yeah. know we're 
Yeah. So we, I have a question for you guys. Okay. If if we understand biblically that our future is to enjoy worshiping God for eternity with mm-hmm. every tongue, tribe, nation mm-hmm. of people of all cultures who are all following Jesus together, why does the church not look like that as more of a universal experience now? And, you know, maybe that's not a, a helpful thing to dive into too deeply, but have you, either, either of you, experienced a church before where you felt like they were doing that well? Ooh, crickets. Well, yeah, <laughs> we need some sort of sound effects here. Now I feel like I have to talk just for it to not be dead air. <laughs> well, have, have you been part of a church that has made it a priority to be a church of all cultures prior to Autumn Ridge? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say... People will say they are, but no. Mm. It's too hard. That's what people will say. It's hard. It is hard. It it is hard. I if the question is if the question is what makes it so difficult, um, one leadership has to be able to say I'm happy to empower people who do it differently than me. And if they sing differently than me, if they play music differently than, than me, um, if they have a speaking style or a leadership style that's different than me, that's okay. Um, that's a challenging thing to do uh, because typically those of us who get into positions of leadership, we have some sort of love affair with control. And it's hard to feel like you're in control when you're letting somebody do something differently than the way that you think is is, is your way or, or, or the best way. Um, another reason, and you guys tell me what you think about this, is um, it's easy to spiritualize my preferences. Well, I like this kind of song, and and I and I like this kind of speaking style, and and I like, well, I just I, I like it when um, we start on time and we end on time, and it's a precise sixty minutes, mm-hmm. and yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm better, and that's better, and <laughs> that's mm-hmm. more reverent, and you know, dressing this way is better and more reverent, and talking in this way is better and more reverent, and having it a little bit more regimented is better and more, more reverent, and that's not necessarily true. No, because the context of that grouping would have been the opposite of what you just described. Mm-hmm. We would have been more emotionally driven mm-hmm. and more, more shouting, mm-hmm. and and longer services just because we wanted to be in that space where we were all sharing what God was doing in that Mm -hmm. moment. And, and so I think that in itself causes a problem because we have preference and it's just easier for us to drift to a place where people think like us and agree with what we want, um, than to, than to give away control. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know new church plant friends who are planning new churches. They, they try this, And it seems to be a little easier for them as they build something new Mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of changing something that's established. But finding that spot that's like that. And what we're what we're not talking about is endorsing chaos. The Apostle Paul is super clear in First Corinthians 14 that when churches gather together, um, when the congregation is together for a time of worship, there needs to be order. Um, that's that's really important. Uh, and one of my uh, go-to Bible teachers is a guy named Tim Mackey, and and he says, "Listen, you know, God. The first thing that we read about God is He's bringing order from chaos. Mm-hmm. And so when we gather together to worship Him, it should not be chaotic. And that and he was saying that's probably one of the things that's driving the thinking of the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the Corinthian church, which was highly chaotic in a number of different ways. There needs to be order." Um, 
but there was diversity in that worship, uh, in that worship gathering as different people were uh, prophesying, mm-hmm. um, bringing teaching, uh, or even speaking in tongues. And and he said, listen, when you when you when you gather together, when you're praying, when you're teaching, when you're allowing the the spirit to to exercise gifts among you, there needs to be order, and you have to accommodate each other, accommodate each other to the point that if one person is teaching and someone else has a word, the person who is teaching stops teaching, chooses to be silent, and turns over the platform. Uh, to the other person, which personally I don't want to do. <laughs> and that, rather not apply that verse. I'm going to choose not to apply that one. When when I got the microphone, I got the microphone. Uh, can I say that? Is that cool? No, this, neither Otis or I are going to respond to that. <laughs> you know, like when, like I don't. I don't know what it would be like to be in a service, right? And I'm up there preaching, and like if Caleb said. Hey, Rick, I, I've got something to say about that. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> mic him up. And I go sit down and, and Caleb comes up and... and, and I'll pop and, the popcorn, speaks, Otis. Essentially, <laughs> wait to see that essentially one. the Apostle Paul is saying that's the way that it should. That's the way it should happen. Now, there's other background information that we should probably get into that would be helpful to elucidate why he gave those gave those comments. But the principle that we have to apply is... It needs to be orderly. So we're not advocating for chaos. We are advocating for joy-filled, Jesus-honoring, people-loving accommodation. Yeah. And I would say that the because just because we said no mm-hmm. and that it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth the work to mm-hmm. put it in to get it done. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think we need to remember that it's hard. Church is messy. And and hard. And if we're going to do what it is that God wants us to do, it we're going to run into some places that are going to make us really uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. Caleb this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus, when he selected his disciples, picked people from different economic backgrounds, mm-hmm. from radically different political perspectives. And he did that intentionally Yes, and set up a model for us in not running from that, mm-hmm. but embracing that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that there is beauty in bringing a group of diverse people mm. together with common purpose, mm. with common focus. Yeah, I think about... Um, I just happened to be thinking about, as you were saying that, this popped into my head of when Samuel went to anoint the king that's going to replace Saul. And everybody thought that it would be the uh, the older brothers of David. Nobody thought it would be David. And every time Saul, excuse me, every time Samuel sees uh, that kind of the next guy's like, surely it's got to be this one. And the emphasis is, no, 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 you're looking at the outside, but God, God sees the, sees the heart. And it is in a fast-paced society where we have a tendency to have a utilitarian view of people. Um, how do you benefit me? How can I use you? How can mm-hmm. you advance my agenda? Mm-hmm. It really cuts against the grain to slow down and to see uh, the full person and the true person. And a culture that's been catechized by pornography, we've conditioned ourselves to reduce people to a particular utility and to not see the full person. Mm. And the way that we advertise products, reducing people to a particular stereotype or to a problem or to their sexuality, conditions our way of thinking to see people in a drastically limited way instead of seeing the full person. 
And so as we're trying to turn our eyes to Jesus and celebrate and worship him, he is helping us to see what it means to be made in his image and to see how all others are made in his image. And, and I think an indicator that we're getting that right is that we are slower and more patient and more accommodating with people who aren't exactly like me. Mm-hmm. We embrace the inconvenience of community. Mm. Yeah. And the beauty of that community is that we get to have robust discussions and even sometimes arguments about what it is that God is asking us to do mm. and how we should go about it. Being in a place where there's not diversity allows you to settle into things that you make idols or you make into um, doctrine that mm. God really isn't holding you to. But the diversity allows you to have robust conversations about that when people come from different cultural backgrounds or different ethnic backgrounds, right? It's just, it opens a whole new world of how God is working. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Well, that seems like a good place to end on. I think we're going to have to do another conversation. We we spent a lot of time talking what feels like large group gathering and music, and I'd like to I'd like to dig into other applications as well. Otis, you want to come back and have this conversation yeah, again? Yeah, I love having this conversation. I don't know when we're going to do it again, but we're going to do it again. Okay. All right. Thanks to both of you. So yeah, we should probably let everybody know we're going to be on break for a little bit. We're going to we're going to be off for a few weeks, and I can't remember. Do we pick back up in August or do we pick back up? In September. We'll probably have episodes dropping in September, I think, because we're recording in August to get ready for it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. So you guys enjoy the rest of your summer, and uh, I hope to see you around Autumn Ridge. Mm-hmm.